the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. All right, everybody ready? <laughs> is that a little loud for you, Jacob? All right, folks, this is the Soapster. We are here in the studio ready to do another 90 minutes discussing this book of books, the old book. Actually, 66 different books, but who's counting, right, Jacob? He always said who's counting. Uh, we are tonight oh, into the books, of the little books, the little books at the end so of, the, of the Tanakh. Okay, and uh, we're starting with Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, and not Nahum. We won't get into Nahum. Just the first chapter of Micah, actually, the first few verses. You have a book of Nathan? Nathan, did I? Did you say? No, did you say? No, I did not say. I said uh, Hosea, Joel, Amos, yeah. Obadiah, Jonah and Micah. Okay. Interesting books. These uh, now we could, if we wanted to, we could, we could, we. I saw the eye. I I removed the eye. <laughs> we could, Jacob, if we wanted to. If uh, this is, What's we could turn back a little bit. Last week we were talking about the little books at the end of the New Testament. No. Uh, James, First Peter, Second Peter, First, Second, Third John, and the little book of Jude. We ended up spending a great, I, I think, the greatest amount of time. We talked a little bit about Daniel finishing up that, and then we spent a great deal of time talking about James, a half brother of Jesus, or who 
chapters uh, 1 through 5. And we spent most of our time, we didn't get into First Peter or Second Peter or First, Second, and Third John, or to Jude, another half-brother of Jesus of Nazareth. Um, we didn't do, so if we wanted to, we could spend a little time kind of going back to the New Testament and um, looking at those little books. I don't know if you had more that you might want to add or talk about those. Jacob or not, uh, but this week, of course, we went back to the Tanakh, to the Hebrew Scriptures, and we uh, our reading schedule called for us to read Hosea, Joel, uh, some very, very interesting books, some very, very interesting individuals who preached in the time of, um, well, toward the end of, of the of the nation of Israel before uh, before. Uh, before, during, and after the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar. So anyway, that's where we are. Uh, if you'd like to comment or ask a question or share something about the scriptures, uh, our phone number is 340-9585. We make our way through and the I was, entire I was Bible. writing that down. What did you say? 340-9585. Now, does that have an area code? It does have an area code. Well, what might that be? It 210. 210-340-9585. And all during this next 90 minutes, you can give us a call anytime you'd like. And uh, we can Except discuss. don't call for the next three minutes because John stepped out. He won't be back for three minutes. <laughs> well, we'll watch. Keep our eye on the button. And if it, if it brightens, if it lights up, we'll, we'll take the call, I guess. So that's, that's how we'll do it. So anyway, uh, what do you think, Jacob? Any additional thoughts about those uh, smaller books at the end of the New Testament? Uh, Smaller books at the end of the New Testament. Yes, James, First Peter, Second Peter, First, Second, Third uh, John, I'm and Jude. A, I'm in favor of them. No, I meant is there, <laughs> was there any comment about that? We didn't get past the book of James last week. Yeah, well, that was uh, that's an important book. It is, I, and, I assume. Of course, Jude. Jude is actually an excerpt of a larger book, right? Uh, well, tell me about that. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm no. sure you did. Every time I tell you, they say, I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, it's uh, Jude is actually just an excerpt uh, from the book of Enoch. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's something that's interesting. And that's where, you know, uh, Satan's arguing and fighting with uh, Michael about uh, Moses' body. Moses', Moses body, yeah. Uh-huh. Now, the real question is, why would they put that portion in the Bible, and why would he, they fight about Moses' body? Huh. Why would that come to bear in the New Testament? Um, now, I'm, I'm serious. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard that idea that it was a... Oh yeah, a it's a, it's a, it's, a it's an excerpt. It's an excerpt they thought that was valuable, and they stuck it in there. Yeah, and, but the interesting question is why? Well, did why? Jude have anything to do with it? Um, I mean, this is a letter, right? It is that Jude writes. Right. But are you saying he references that? that I'm saying who who made the decision to put that book in the Bible, the book of Jude. Uh, they picked the book of Jude is that excerpt about Michael fighting with Satan over the body of Moses. Oh, it, it contains an excerpt about Michael fighting. Okay, Indeed so it, it, the whole letter is not an excerpt, but it, it contains an ex- excerpt, right? 
uh, is that what you meant? I don't want to confuse folks about no, I, I, the book. I don't know if that's what I meant, but we'll go with that. Are you saying the whole book is an excerpt? I believe. Even the part? I could, I could be standing to be corrected. Even right? the part that says this letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I'm writing to all. Well, you, obviously that part probably wouldn't be. I don't. Okay, so the whole letter is not an excerpt. Gee, Soapy, you win. Okay, thank you. I'm just trying to get this straight. You said yeah. something that people... Well, but we know the excerpt about Michael fighting with Satan about yes, the body of Moses. Exactly. Certainly that comes... That, that, that is an excerpt from Enoch. In verse uh, 8, I think it says, in nine, But even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, The Lord rebuke you. This took place when Michael was arguing with the devil about Moses' body. Uh, but these people, and he's already talked about th- these people, uh, scoff at things they do not understand. Like unthinking animals, they do whatever their instincts tell them, so they bring about their own destruction. What sorrow awaits them, for they follow the footsteps of Cain, who killed his brother. Like Balaam, they deceive people for money, and like Korah, they perish in their rebellion. Wow. Boy, Jude hands it to them, doesn't he? He's uh, he's pretty um, aggressive about the enemies of God, the enemies of the gospel, the enemies of God's people. Um, Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these people. Huh? Interesting. Yeah, you are right. Yeah, I I, I had uh, Jude has some interesting. Um, well, here's the interesting question. Why? Why would it be blasphemy to, uh, for Michael to tell Satan, hey, it's blasphemy, and I, so he doesn't even rebuke him because it's blasphemy. Number two, why are they fighting about Moses' body? What's that business about? That I don't know. Why are they are fighting over Judas' body? Can not, we, not Jesus' body, Moses. I, I mean Moses' body. Elucidate us. Enlighten us. Tell us what. Well, I, I'd just like to suggest that if they fought, had, evidently, it would be that Satan wants Moses' body. Yes. Michael does not want him to have it. Right. right. Uh-huh. Evidently. So why would Satan want Moses' body? John, curtain number three, John. Why, why does Satan want Moses' body? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know the rest of the story here. Well, what do you think, John? Why would Satan want Moses' body? Uh, on, uh, and why would Michael say, oh, you just can't have it? And why would it be blasphemy? For Michael to rebuke uh, Satan in that way. Why is that blasphemy? What's that business about? Well, this says this. Um, this says this? They sound like Richard Nixon. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me tell you this. Jude condemns, Jude condemns the scoffer's arrogant actions here in, in verse um, 8 we're talking about. The scoffer's. He condemns their actions uh, by alluding to a conflict between the archangel Michael and the devil. Michael's refusal to condemn Satan on his own authority contrasts with the scoffer's slandering of supernatural beings. In other words, Michael didn't say he didn't uh, uh, condemn Satan 
on itself, he said, the Lord condemn you. The yeah. Lord rebuke you. Yes, the Lord, yeah. Uh, slandering of supernatural, either angel or demons. This incident does not appear in the Bible, but was included in an ancient work known as the Assumption of Moses. Mm-hmm. Some have wondered whether a biblical writer could rely on a source outside the Bible for accurate information, but many non-biblical writings contain true statements or stories. Paul quotes Jewish tradition. Uh, in Second Timothy and even pagan sources, actually, in different places in the book of Acts and Corinthians. Uh, ultimately, we trust that the Holy Spirit guided the biblical writers. You read well, by the way. Yes, I'm, I'm trying to pull this together. So Jude uh, quotes here a, a source, a non-biblical source. Well, it's non-biblical because the fellows that picked what's going to be in the Bible chose what's going to be in the Bible, so that would make whatever they chose biblical. Yes, so. exactly right. Okay. Had they chose something else, then it would be biblical or not biblical. Jude but, is trying to establish the point that that his opponents are corrupt and that the Lord will one day yeah, that's, judge that's them for Jude. the corruption. Yeah, absolutely. That's Jude. But why so can't he Michael? It, but he uses why these can't illustrations. Michael, the angel, the archangel, as they say. Uh, why can't he rebuke Satan? He said, I, the Lord do it, but not me. Isn't he trying to establish the point that, that using those illustrations that to assure the readers that God always punishes evil and he always uh, wins o- right. over evil? Maybe. Isn't he trying to establish that point? Well, so that's a possibility. But let's go to the probably the more deeper interesting uh-huh. Why is Satan wanting Moses' body? Okay. I don't know. Well, we have an example. Okay. Uh, the example would be in the Islam world, uh, uh, Muhammad. All right. If they know where Muhammad's body is, it has become the place to go. So if ah, so they want to establish another uh, uh, p- place to go for pilgrimages. Well, Moses so. was uh, sometimes mistaken back in the Exodus period. They thought that he was something more than just a man because he could do miracles. And at least they thought it was him doing miracles. I see, I so see. if he was buried, he would become the place of idol worship. Of course, that makes perfect sense. Well, of course it does. I would have said that if I'd have thought of it. But, yeah. you know, that is well, a... Given enough time, and I, as I used to tell Milton Berle, you will. <laughs> like evolution. Given enough time, uh, I would have come up with that answer. Uh, okay, so Satan wants to build a... Yeah, uh, wants an idol. A, a, Moses an idol. would be an important person. Okay. In fact, when they built the Golden Cave, calf, we may remember, that they didn't say this is to replace God. They said the golden calf was to replace Moses. And they said, we don't know what happened to this man Moses, so let us make a golden calf. Yes. And so the whole idea was to make people think Moses was more than what he was. You know, sometimes you come up with some pretty cool ideas. You know, I, I would think like that to, make sense. And while I'm blushing with, uh, with the praise that you're giving me, I feel embarrassed and humbled, and I don't want to feel like a thief, so I must tell John that, came up with that idea. Is that what you're going to no, tell me? Then I'd be then I'd be committing blasphemy. That's a, that's a very very old ancient, ancient teaching, uh-huh. and that's long before me. Well, it certainly makes sense. Uh, that would be that would be uh, actually 
semi-biblical, I'd say, with with the uh, with pairing that up with the, Moses and the golden calf, and and what we know that Satan wants to do is encourage idolatry and and false worship and so on. That makes sense that he would want the body of Moses. But the point that Jude is making there in all of these illustrations is that God will defeat evil in all its forms. And uh, those who resist and uh, Or maybe he's making the point that Satan is doing exactly what God wants him to do. That too. And if he's doing it, then Micah would be going against God to condemn Satan. So he says, the Lord... The That's Lord right. rebuke you. That's right. So he can't go against God because God may have made it Satan to do exactly what he's doing. That's a very, very interesting point. I was thinking about this this morning, even as I was teaching out at Lackland. We were. Uh, you were thinking about this point. I was not that not that particular verse in the chapter of Jude and all. Don't you think you should have your point, mind on what you're teaching these I young am. recruits? Oh, I am. I have my mind there. <laughs> we had a question about. There was a question about Satan. About uh, why did Satan? And why does God allow? What is His purpose? And the ultimately the the point is, uh, I mean, God allows this. I think the point you made is it, we have to emphasize that uh, this is not Satan doesn't happen apart from God's sovereign will and His direction. So there is a, He does serve a purpose mm-hmm. for what God is doing. Uh, with the human race and with human beings, he does serve a purpose in that context that God is calling out a people for himself out of the human race and so the there is a there there is a playing field there is a, there is a uh, there is a great purpose being accomplished uh, every day of history every day of the in the human race uh, uh, now billions of people around planet earth and in different cultures and different societies different uh, languages and so on uh, god something is going on every day the main thing going on around the world whether it's somebody's birthday party in jamaica or somebody or, or big international conference or a big maybe there's a new supreme court justice being appointed in the united states or all of these events human events from the very tiny and small like did you know my grandson will scored his first soccer goal this weekend did he punch you in the face? No, but oh, he, he did. Right. Thank you very much, John. I appreciate yeah, that. Thank you, John. That was applause. That, that, that was an applause a, button. He, the, the, yeah, I need that. I need that, don't I? So, uh, yeah, he scored his first goal on the uh, this weekend. At the same day, we got a new Supreme Court justice. I'm not sure which of those events is most important to me. Well, how did he do that? He's only three. Well, four. He's almost five. Oh, he didn't he's tell me he's five. four. Of course, four. four well, he, course. It was beautiful. I, I got it on my phone, actually. Uh, my uh, Uncle Scott wow. uh, got it on his phone and, and texted it to me. Yeah. And I got to see my, my grandson score his very first goal on the same day that the United States got a brand new Supreme Court justice. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, who is that Supreme Court justice? Uh, I don't even know his name now right off the top of my head. But his name is... Wapner. It wasn't Wapner and it wasn't just Judy. It was a guy named Kavanaugh. 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 Would you like to know a little happy uh, language comparison? Okay. Kavanaugh, of course, is an Irish name, right? Kavanaugh can have it all. Yeah, Kavanaugh is an Irish name, right? I I guess it is, yes, sure. Of course it is. Sure it is. So we know it's a K, not a C. 
That's right. Mm-hmm. So, but Kavanaugh, spelled a little different, but pronounced the same. In Hebrew, means intentional. How about that? How about that? Now, you probably should not forget that because now it's Kavanaugh. Yeah. At any rate, now that inter- that's a language-happy comparison. Isn't there a Kavanaugh a golf ball company? I think they create there's. They make golf balls as well. The Kevin. You know, I have no idea. Or golf. Equipment. I have no idea. Anyway, if we it are. Isn't there should be? We are wandering this evening. But okay, we talked about James. We talked about Jude. I wanted to mention that. But I that did about want Jude. to tell you about Kavanaugh. Uh huh. Tell like me right here on this show. I am now going to expose. No pun intended. Uh-huh. That Kavanaugh. I have a piece of information. Oh Only no! A, come on now. Yeah, come on. Come on. Come on. That false information. This is fake news, folks. This is not. This is listen. A fake I have a piece news. of information about Brett. Kavanaugh that has only a few people that know it. I'm going to expose it right here, no pun intended, uh-huh. that he did at one time expose himself to a bunch of little girls. And when did this happen, ladies and gentlemen? Yes. When he was born in the hospital and they put him in the nursery, there were little girls in there and he was exposed to them. So if we're going to go back to junior high, let's go all the way back to the hospital. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, all of that is over now. All of that yes, I'm fighting. T- I'm tired all, of it, too. Yes. All that fighting and all of that accusation and all, it's all over. We do have a new Supreme Court justice, and uh, we'll see what it means. We'll see if all the terrible, terrible things that evidently uh, uh, Democrats in general, uh, I don't know about John John hadn't John, revealed John's to me a what fine young man. Fine yeah. young man, fine I say. Fine. Okay. As a matter of fact, I told John before the show started, I said, Google. He's not doing it. But Google, I don't know how you spell it, but Corset Corporation. They make $260 million a year. Corset Corporation. Corset. C-O-R-S-E-T? I'm not sure how to spell it, but okay. we can figure it out. Okay. And then put plus Blazy Ford. And you're going to find it's a birth control pill, and you're going to find the most interesting thing. It seems this company this makes only one product, evidently, a birth control bill. makes $260 million a year. It seems that she's been on the board. It's uh, worth millions of dollars to make sure there's not a guy who wants to deal with the abortion issue on the Supreme Court. Oh. oh. How about that? Huh? Well, I wonder why that never came out and be, well, was made, it, it, it was did, not made it just, public. Well, I just, it, a lot of people knew. They just didn't want to get into the birth control issue. I see. Anyway, let's go back so to the Bible. So that explains a little bit. Okay, back to the Bible. We've got Jude. We've got uh, any, any, the only reason I did that is just to, if you wanted to comment anything further. We, all, we spent all of our time on the book of James last week. Actually, we could spend a whole two weeks studying the book of James. Yeah, we could. We could. But I just wondered if there's anything about Peter. Peter is actually quite interesting he as well. He is interesting. He brings up this idea of the flood and, you know, the, the Comparison of the people. He actually to, says Peter was it Second Peter, or First Peter. I think it's Second. Where he, where he talks about the flood and says God waited for 120 years while Noah built the ark. Now what's God waiting for? Ah, uh, you know that. I think that would be worth bringing up. It's a, it's it's. I think one of the first times that I'd ever heard that that that. Uh, you know, a lot of t- people criticize God and, as being genocidal, it, it, a maniac, yeah, because it, the, killing it, babies and it, innocent children. And, yeah. yeah, exactly right. And so, uh, 
I did not know that there is an answer to that. There that, is. That because I had always assumed, well, maybe in the flood of Noah that there were people. Because uh, even Jesus himself, as, as in the days of Noah, he talks about when he's going to return, it's going to be the same as in the days of Noah. People will be marrying and giving in marriage yes. and so on. And he alludes to the uh, time of Noah. Well, when Jesus says that, I think, is it Matthew 24, 27, uh-huh, 20, something like uh-huh. that? At 24, perhaps. And he says, oh, well, the, like in the days of Noah, will be the times of the Son, the time of the coming of the Son of Man, uh-huh. when they were marrying and given in marriage. Well, people tend to think, oh, well, that just means life's going on in general. And people we're, are married, we're going to work on Monday. Uh, we're getting off uh-huh. Monday night. But know. it means something very, very different. It's referring to Genesis chapter 6, and I'll tell you what in a minute. Okay. Because well, we, are we going to a break? We have to go to a break. Why, do, why do we Already. have to go to Can a break? Can you believe because that? Those people pay because John the says so. John's in charge here, you know that. Ah, He's 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 stroking his beard right now. (laughs) So anyway, we'll come back and we'll talk about that. I think that is worth talking about. I got some really good for tonight, though. The book of Peter, right? Oh, yeah, it's in Peter. But after we get done with that, I got something really good in the readings you chose for tonight. Okay. and those will go back to the Tanakh, to the to the. It's called the Minor Prophets, you know, the well, smaller books. Yeah, the smaller yeah, books. I, I don't know. I've never understood that because they're all over age eighteen. But we're going to come back, and you're going to really be interested in knowing uh, what Jacob presents here from the book of First uh, and Second Peter, and this whole idea that God uh, committed genocide, and that in the time of the flood of Noah, that um, you know little babies were killed, you know. You know however many and so on it's an answer to that that i i think is remarkable i hadn't, I hadn't thought of it myself and um and i hadn't seen it in well, the scriptures right there in peter yeah i know it's right there but um folks need to see that and hear this uh what happened and uh, there's something that unusual that happened there in the time of noah that we probably haven't focused on we don't know about is that the lawrence welk uh Champagne yes, bubble. That's thing. right. I just popped a champagne cork. Okay. All right. Well, we'll come back and get to that, and then we'll get into our the books of Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. These uh, smaller Obadiah. books of prophecy, and Obadiah. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited about you telling us about Obadiah. Oh, yeah. Some, well, he's, he's pretty excited about it. There's a lot of information. I, I, uh, Jacob and, and, and the Jewish people have done a lot of research for us, folks, on these books of That's the Bible. It's only embarrassing because every, it's available to everybody, and it means that, like, the preachers should also do it. Uh, yes, and I, and I agree with that, but I think that... I think that you guys were the one God gave the hey, job you to. You guys. It's yeah. your fault. Yeah. God gave you the Explain job. Explain to me why my lion got loose. God gave you the job of of explaining the these books and you wrote them you need to explain them and you need to teach us Gentiles. Uh, get away. This background. You've had this, this for 2000 years. Come on now. Well, I know we've had it a good long while, but you had it longer, and you had it first. So that's we have to uh, acknowledge that. We blame the person that had it last, not first. (laughs) All right. Well, turn your eyes upon Jesus. That's that's always a great theme for any of our of our books because now we as. 
Gentile believers, we believe that uh, he, this Jesus of Nazareth was the central figure in the entire Bible, from Genesis all the way to the maps, that the central figure is always, God is always pointing at this Messiah, this Redeemer, this Savior. And is we that find, the music I hear in the background? Yeah, and okay. we find pictures of him throughout the Bible, Old and New Testaments, pictures, illustrations, Most of them are in black examples. and white, though. And so he is the central figure of the Bible, the main character, the author of the Bible, God himself, by his spirit, urging people. That's another thing that Peter brings out for us. He says that men and women were moved by God's spirit to write down their experiences with God. And then uh, so we, we have the Father, the Son, the Spirit all appearing here as we think about the Bible. Uh, this book is it's reliable. You can test it out on, in historic terms, in terms of history. Is it reliable? Is it accurate? Has it been delivered to us? What was its transmission it's logical, to us? It's logical. It's practical. The concept is sound, and the system yeah, works for it's, me. Yeah, and, it, and so we have that. But also, not only is it reliable history and accurate, it is also... It's clear. It's concise. It's convincing. It's, it's logical. It's practical. It's the concept of sound and the system works. And it's divine in its sourcing. Uh, God wrote it. God encouraged it. 340-9585. That's our phone number. We'll be back right after these brief messages. Please do not go away. Uh, Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Our Heavenly Father delights in his children like a parent singing to a newborn baby. Welcome to today's encouragement from Our Daily Bread. Today's reading is titled Our Singing Father, and it was written by Adam Holt. No one told me before my wife and I had children how important singing would be. My children are now 6, 8, and 10, but all three had problems sleeping early on. Each night, my wife and I took turns rocking our little ones, praying they'd nod off quickly. I spend hundreds of hours rocking them, desperately crooning lullabies to hopefully speed up the process. But as I sang over our children night after night, something amazing happened. It deepened my bond of love and delight for them in ways I had never dreamed. Did you know Scripture describes our Heavenly Father singing over His children too? Just as I sought to soothe my children with song, So Zephaniah concludes with a portrait of our Heavenly Father singing over his people. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will rejoice over you with singing. Much of Zephaniah's prophetic book warns of a coming time of judgment for those who'd rejected God. Yet, that's not where it ends. Zephaniah concludes not with judgment, but with a description of God not only rescuing his people from all their suffering, but also tenderly loving and rejoicing over them with song. Our God is not only a mighty warrior who saves and restores, but a loving Father who tenderly sings songs of love over us. Today's encouragement was provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries. 
If you're looking for a church to call home, start your search with the church directory at am630theword.com. There you'll find hundreds of churches near you. Churches like Agape Christian Church, Trinity Baptist, River City Community Church, Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, Freedom Fellowship, Riverview Cavalry Chapel, His Life Fellowship, Alamo City Bible Church, and Calvary Chapel Solid Rock. Or make sure your home church is listed so others can find you. It's the church directory at am630theword.com. Hey, this is Bob Olszewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. Singer Tori Kelly was an American Idol contestant who didn't even make it into the show's final rounds. But that didn't stop her from becoming a recording artist who's now releasing her second studio album. Kelly's Hiding Place is, for all intents and purposes, a collection of gospel songs with a dose of R&B mixed in. Kelly's sweet voice matches her equally sweet message as she recognizes that God is a refuge from the ups and downs of life. The album powerfully reminds us that God is a good father and the center of our hope. So I'll give Hiding Place an exceptional 5 out of 5 for family friendliness. For more, visit PluggedIn.com slash radio. I'm Bob Olszewski for Focus on the Family, Plugged In. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Thank you for joining us tonight for the Bible Live broadcast. We're we're kind of reviewing our program from last week. We spent a great deal of time in That's the That's a book. fine word for the radio reviewing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can't you see it? Don't you? Uh, it? Sure, okay. I, I get the picture. We talked about uh, the book of James last week, but there is something uh, in the book of, uh, I believe it's Second Peter, uh, that Jacob often talks about, and I yeah. think it is really uh, worth spending a little time about to... And I don't have a copy of that hmm. with me, so you'll have to... Okay, I'm looking. God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell in gloomy pits of darkness where they are being held until the day of judgment. And God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and the seven others in his family. There you Remember? Go. You found Noah it. and his wife, yeah. his three Keep sons, going. and next their sentence. wives. Next sentence. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. Remember, Noah was told that yeah. God is going to destroy the world. Uh, well, maybe, maybe he did. But go ahead. Okay. Noah warned the world. Well, how could he warn them if he didn't know about it? Well, I didn't say that. Oh, Let's okay. Of oh, God's righteous judgment. Oh. So God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he's talking about God's judgment on Doesn't wickedness. he say something about 120 years in your version? Um, 
That's what I'm waiting for. I know that's what you're waiting for. You're waiting for that uh, to do those falsies. And, and he's talking about false teachers, those who oppose God and God's people and God's redemptive plan. And uh, he, he recites a number. He talks about Balaam, the son of Beor, you know, this false prophet yeah, that was Yeah, but we're hired. looking for the verse. I know, I know you are. I'm just going through the book well, of let's Peter. Just talk here, about let's I'm, talk about it. I'm talking. <laughs> okay. I'm going through the passages, and he talks about uh, these individuals. I, I'm trying to find that point where he says that Noah taught and preached for 120 years. No, it says God waited for Noah during the 120 years while he was building the ark. Okay, it yes, says, God exactly. Waited and for chapter Noah. 3 of Second uh, Peter and uh, so on. Yeah. Uh, he's talking about when... When when God when the Lord is going to return again the second coming of the, the Messiah and so on, but the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Uh, the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. The very elements themselves and so on. I'm looking for that. Well, ab- it's about, evidently not in your translation. Well, it's it's there. At any rate, it is so somewhere. Peter talks about the God waited for Noah while he built the ark. Okay, there you go. Let's go to that. So, anyway, so you say, okay, so that there's Peter talking about it. God waited, waited for what? Well, we do know that it was announced to Noah that God is going to do this. Yeah. Noah uh, began the building of the ark. So, how old was Noah? He was uh, at that time four hundred and eighty years old. He was four hundred and eighty at that time. At when, you got, when he was told. When God told him. Uh huh. And then in chapter seven of Genesis, I haven't got that in front of me, mm-hmm. but I think it's seven. Mm-hmm. God says, "Go get in the ark." Uh, and it's Noah's 600 years old. Well, 480 to 600 is exactly 120. Mm-hmm. But now, Noah had his children at age 500. Right. So he knew by the, when he had those kids that God was bringing the world to an end, everybody was going to be drowned. And that he still had children. Uh-huh. He, Noah did. Noah did. Uh-huh. Not God, no. Um, but Noah had children. Right. Three boys. Mm-hmm. And he already knew for at least 20 years that God said, hey, you know, the world's coming to an end. And he still chose to have kids. So we now have your very first glimpse. Glimpse. Not, I said not, glimpse. A glimpse, yeah. Uh-huh. First glimpse of the Messiah. Moses is a Messiah. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because the world is coming to an end. And yet he still goes ahead and has three children. Noah personally, he and his wife, saved humankind, saved humanity. Now, how did he do that? Why didn't he and his children drown? Is because he went back to the very first commandment in the Bible, which was be fruitful and multiply. multiply. Fruitful means have kids. Multiply means teach them God's word. So Noah saved humankind, the human mm-hmm. creature, mm-hmm. by having kids after he knew what was coming, by teaching them, having kids, and teaching them God's laws. And did, they, did Noah announce this thing to other people, preach to them and warn well, them? Well, you know, I uh, there's a big controversy about that because there's nowhere that explicitly references that in Genesis. Uh-huh. Okay. But so the idea, though, uh, that we're getting to is that what no what Noah did was unusual in going ahead and having children he was going against the trend of that era was he was the people had stopped having children 
Um, there were no human babies born for 120 years. The mathematics, the genealogies actually show that. So there were no human babies born during that 120 years. And any people that were born prior to the 120 years were all adults. So there were no human babies drowned during the flood. That is the central point that yes. you had mentioned that yes. I think is so striking. Yes. And until a couple hundred years ago, the idea of uh, human babies drowning in Noah's flood, God mm-hmm. being a genocidal maniac, mm-hmm. had never come up until a couple hundred years ago. Then now, in the last hundred years, that has become the predominant theme. Yes. Well, that's really a violation of the Ninth Commandment, bearing false witness against God himself, you uh-huh. might say. But so, no, so... If God did not kill babies, and we just assume, well, God's sovereign, he can kill anybody he wants. Mm-hmm. Well, you're kind of talk, not talking about God of the Bible, but you're talking about Allah. And so, because God doesn't kill babies, and his commandment is you shall not kill. And so he didn't kill. No human babies. And the mathematics, the genealogies there, there is not one child born during that 120 years. And now the interesting thing is... Except for Moses' children. I mean, I'm sorry, Noah's children. Well, Noah's children, by the time they entered the ark, would have been 100. Were, yes. Uh-huh. And they were the last people listed. Right. So what we know is this. So there are no children were Yeah, so they were 100. Yeah, at least 100. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So here's the catch. So everybody was of an age where they, of accountability, being mature, being able to make a choice, how they wanted to live or not. Mm-hmm. But Noah saved. That's your first teaching, your first glimpse of what a Messiah will do. And what we look at in, in Genesis chapter 6, it says, Then the people began to multiply, and we We'd been looking at the expansion of the human race, the the genealogies, as you mentioned, with all of these uh, specific numbers about when they were born, how long they lived, and so on. Mm-hmm. It says, then the people began to multiply on the earth, and daughters were born to them. And uh, the sons of God saw the beautiful women. They took any they wanted as their wives. Now, wait right there. Don't go any further. Uh-huh. Look how it says. Actually, what it literally says is they took wives from whoever they chose. Mm-hmm. Now, do you know what that really means? That uh, um, they took wives from whomever they chose, I suppose. In other words, it didn't make any difference if the women were willing or unwilling. Regardless of their age, they could be kidnapped. Uh But beyond that, they could take wives that are already married to somebody else. But when it says of any wives of whoever they chose, it also meant they were taking homosexual male wives Mm. and sometimes even animals. So they took wives of whoever they chose. They were totally debauched. And God said, my spirit will not put up with humans for such a time, for they are only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespan will only be will be no more than 120 years. Yeah. In those days and for some time, uh, then it talks about the Nephilites, the giants in the earth yeah. and so on. Um, but, says, but the point is, is that God is not, was, has never been historically, among any ancient Christian scholar or even Jewish scholar, has never been considered a genocidal maniac. Well, then verse 5 said, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, uh-huh. and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. Yes. So the Lord was sorry he had made them. He put on the flesh of the earth. He broke his heart, and the Lord said, I will wipe the human race uh, in, in judgment right. I have created from the face of the earth. Because why were they evil? <clears throat> because... 
You see, animals were not was were not given God's laws. Mm-hmm. Human beings were. Right. Angels were not given God's laws. Angels didn't get them. Animals didn't get them. Human beings did. Human beings had free will. They got to know what to do and what not to do, so God gave them the laws. They had free will. They had choice. So what happens is... If they knew right from wrong, but an animal doesn't, and they chose to do wrong, then they were worse than animals. They weren't just wicked. They were evil because they were actually worse than animals because animals didn't know it's wrong, but the humans knew it was wrong and still chose to do it. That made them totally 100% evil. And so when the Spirit of God is taken from them, that's uh, that's the idea that they were just became animals again. Well, I have to confess when you we first discussed this passage and we went back into the that understanding and the that was that was as you said two hundred years ago this was, it was pretty well about, common about two hundred years prior to two hundred years ago yes huh pretty much commonly understood yes. that God did not destroy babies in the flood right, right. you're saying that the whole idea that accusation has come up in in these. In, these last in the last hundred centuries. years, it's become the predominant teaching. And I generally hear among you know, churches, etc., that it's, well, God is sovereign. He can do anything he wants. It's God's judgment. Because we have a difficulty. We have to rationalize, mm-hmm. well, why would God hurt innocent children? Why would he drown babies? What kind of a maniac is mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. And the point is, is that he did not. That's our misunderstanding that's only become popular due to the lack of reading the Bible, being taught the Bible, and if I may say, in all candor, whether it's a rabbi or a preacher or somebody else, the failure of so-called people in the business to teach what it says. To teach. Essentially, this comes from you have to do a little bit of mathematics. You, you have to yeah. study the, the, uh-huh. those those uh, genealogies yes. and that they lived so long and how old they yes. were. That's right. Those have a meaning. And, they do. And you, when you start putting down a graph and how long this well, one lived and how and long see, this one lived. Let's talk about what else they were doing. It was evil in every way. Mm-hmm. Evil. Past wickedness to evil. So they were actually doing something pretty bad. They were not only aborting. They were aborting and sacrificing their children to And besides that, and dashing. Idols. And if you want to see it, I think it's in what's one. I forgot the Psalm 139, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But they were talking about uh, 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 how the Babylonians would take the Jewish babies and dash their heads yeah. against the rocks. Uh-huh. Well, the same thing. They were killing the babies. They didn't want babies. Babies interfered with good-looking women and sex. And it, dis- you know, it was... It made them. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't convenient. Right. Yeah. And and, and, and I, I. But I had to say when I first heard this, I thought to myself, Well, that that can't be true. I mean, everybody human... says, Well, that can't be true because what we're doing is we're taking our human logic and we're imbuing it into the story. And if I put my logic in to say, Well, people have sex, people have babies, but sure, that's yeah, me. that goes against human nature. Uh, we right. all want children. But I didn't and say they didn't have sex. But then, uh, what I'm trying to say is that. That when I first heard it, that was my impulse. Well, that surely could really people become that wicked and yes. evil that they would kill their own children? Maybe 60 million. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, see, and all of a sudden I realized I was asking myself a question, and that's where we are today. Around planet Earth, 
<laughs> How many babies are well, being... I don't know, but I know in China they have a one-baby policy. Oh, yeah. There's no telling how many babies have been oh, killed. Oh, gosh, around the, around the planet, around uh, different cultures and culture, And right here in good old Christian America, uh, we've started, you know, it's kind of become this whole idea that... And, and all of a sudden I realized how wicked and evil, how really sin-sick human beings can be. Yep. And it yep. doesn't seem so far-fetched that in the time in this no, time of Noah... Applying it, and what I found is when people go back and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, because we use our human logic and put it into the story. But if I was reading The Great Gatsby or uh, Farewell Tyrants by Hemingway, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really restricted in my literary criticism, you might say, to the four corners of the page, what the story says. Now, I can do anything I want with my thoughts, my imbuing, my changing mm-hmm. facts. But if, I'm, if I stick to the four corners of the page, it's telling me, in the Bible, I mean, it's telling me that there are no babies. Now, I'm stressing no human babies. I don't know if there were some other creatures running uh-huh, around. Uh-huh. There might have been animals, and there might have been some of these Nephilim creatures, whatever they were supposed uh-huh. to be. But anyway, the point is, there's no humans. Right. And humans are given. Now, this is not... Universally well known, even in the Jewish community, right? I mean, um, well, when you attend Torah studies, it depends and so on. on which segment of the Jewish world you go to. Oh, actually. really? Hmm. So that that there are, uh, I'm I'm assuming that in the conservative or Orthodox Jewish world, this is pretty much well the known. The people that take the baby, the baby, the the Bible seriously and study it. Uh, re- yes, they know this. Uh-huh. It's a, it's a, uh, it's an understood thing. The people who spend almost no time reading it, it doesn't make any difference if they're Christian or Jews. Uh-huh. They really don't know what it says. They kind of make up what they think it means from that's our, right. from I, our sense of my feelings, morality yeah, of sure. today. Well, that's what I thought when I first when you first said, "Well, wow, that can't be true." Well, see, people and even would do Peter, that, and you're getting over there in the New Testament, uh-huh. and it says right there, Peter said, "And God waited." Oh, yeah, that that get over. Let's take this to the New Testament uh-huh. because you have Jesus Himself uh-huh. saying that before He comes back, before He returns in Matthew, what you said, twenty five. I think, think twenty four. Twenty four. Jesus is telling him when he returns again that it's going to be like in the days of Noah. And we always assume that, like you said, that when he says people will be giving and mar- marrying and giving in marriage and so on, life is going to be going on. Actually, as what Jesus is referring to when he says marrying and given in marriage. Now you got to remember that's kind of a translation through the Latin, through the Greek, etc., etc. But the marrying, he's referring to Genesis chapter six, verse two. That you read a minute ago, uh-huh. that they took wives. When they say in Genesis they took, that's what Jesus is classifying as marriage. Yeah, okay. And so, uh, again, so what we interpret that generally is that Jesus is saying, I'm going to return. And when I return, uh, it's life is going to be going on as normal. People are going to right. be getting married, giving in marriage, right, and so right. on. And that's that, the way we generally sure. uh, uh, interpret that right, passage. Sure. But if what you're saying here yes. is true and accurate, well, I'm it not, seems I, to make I, sense. I must say, I, I want to give credit where credit's due. I always feel like a thief if I do not say this is not mine. It's not okay. original with me. <laughs> Could be credit or blame, whichever well, <laughs> however way, you see yeah. it. But, but the point is, is that Jesus was not there, saying things are going to be going on as normal. It is absolutely mathematically indisputable and uh, that there were no babies. Well, Jesus is saying there in the New Testament then that 
He's not saying things are going to be rocking along right, as normal. Right, right, what right. he's saying is that when I return, it, the, I, it'll be an extraordinary time of wickedness and evil. They will have gone past evil to, I'm sorry, past wickedness to evil. Exactly. And so that... And that's kind of what we see today. And, and the reason I think, if I may say, if uh, Jesus chose that comparison of Noah, I think because if you understand the story of Noah, you understand what was really going on. And, and how say, wicked oh, human beings how, can be. Well, yeah. worse, it was evil. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one thing. It goes, this is kind of the order. First, you got sin. That's disobeying God's law, let's, let's say. Then it gets down to wicked because I'm going to intentionally do it. And then it gets past that where I'm totally lawlessness. And when you have lawlessness, it doesn't mean sinning. It means totally disregarding all God's laws. And thus, you are by disregarding God. And that's... I would submit what we see today. I mean, I remember, I remember my my even as a young person, I thought, how could killing innocent children be a solution to anything? And that's the whole idea of abortion. You know, I, I hate to say this, but there's something really good in, in tonight's readings, and we haven't even got to them. Oh, I know we haven't. Yeah, we, we. But I think this was worth getting to. This is a a major point from Peter. Uh, that re- relates back to the book of Genesis 6, and it, it, it really is interesting to, uh, it changes the way we hear Jesus' words as it was in the days of Noah, men and women giving, marrying and giving in marriage and so on. And it, it gives some backdra- a backdrop to that that is very, very interesting for us, and it's not, you know, wild-haired kind of crazy talk. It, it's pretty clear there from the scriptures. I think we're in the in the mainstream of the understanding of the scriptures sure. there. That it makes sense of those passages that uh, kind of would have a hard time being made sense of it with with any other explanation. Okay, let's go. Well, let's let's move then from the small books of uh, Peter and James and 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, although I have to confess 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, particularly 1st John to me is, I have to confess that 1st John is just beautiful, magnificent. I I think John is so good at helping us in the practicality, understanding some of the dynamic of confessing and cleansing, how to walk in our cleansing and our experience of, uh, of forgiveness and cleansing as God's people. But, okay, let's go back. Now, you want to pick up something in the book of Hosea, I yeah, know. Let's, let's pick up in Hosea. You know, uh, Hosea's name, Yeshua, means, it does, it means uh-huh. salvation. If you take Hosea and you put the first letter... Of God's name, Yud, Yud, put that on Hosea, and it comes out uh, Yeshua, or Jesus in English. Uh uh Okay, so that's Hosea, and he is very, very unusual, um, um, Hosea is, because, again, he's talking about this theme of marriage and family and relationship, and uh, he preaches primarily to the northern tribes, but he's told... God told Hosea to marry me, but I was unfaithful to him. I had children by other men, and I became uh, a, a, a woman of the night, a prostitute. And, of course, we're talking about Gomer, this uh, lady, that this woman that God was instructs it, was Hosea. Was her maiden name Pyle? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Gomer Pyle. Okay, but but um, you get it, folks. But so the book of Hosea has this really unique relationship at the, at the heart of the book, uh, where Hosea, this prophet of God, is instructed to marry 
this loose woman. And she commits adultery. She insults him. She doesn't respect him. Then he goes back and and she sinks into into harlotry, and he goes and he's instructed to go and buy her freedom, right. remarry her, or you know go back and take her up again, which is, I mean, astounding. But all of this is in the context of telling us something about God and God's redemptive plan, that He has gone. He has. In a way, he has gone back and redeemed us as God's people uh, through the work, the yeah, redemptive work of Messiah. and in a larger sense, he's mm-hmm. also referring to the uh, entire nation of Israel. But in particular, Hosea and Amos part, particularly are written to the what's called the ten mm-hmm. messing the tribes. The ten northern tribes. Ten northern tribes, which people refer to as the messing or whatever. And they were, uh, t- those ten northern tribes were attacked uh, defeated, and they were carried into captivity by the Assyrians in 722 B.C., right. which they had been warned as well. They had been told over and over again. Uh, it's something, a characteristic of God we can always uh, expect, is that when he is going to judge, bring about judgment, he always warns repeatedly. Uh, first we have the story, you might say, of Cain mm-hmm. and Abel. Then we have the story of Noah. Then we have the story of the golden calf. And then you got the story of Israel re- reinforcing the same illustration for you over and over and over. So you've been warned and warned and warned and warned and warned. And yet, look at our society. We're still headed the same way. Mm-hmm. Even the, even the today as well. And there's a very famous line in Hosea. Uh-huh. And it's in chapter 4 mm-hmm. that everybody loves the quote. You know, if you look at chapter 4, I think it's verse 6. I'm hoping your version has a good translation. Okay. 4, 6. Let me find it. I'm headed that way. But these are the little books. There there, there yeah. you go. Uh, Hosea 4, 6. And, I got and it you, right And here. you seem to think that these books are written by people under the age of 18? Is Hosea? That, is that what you're telling me? No, I didn't well, I, say you, that. You kept saying they're minors. <laughs> I, I, I mean, unless you mean it. Well, Hosea 4 6. My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. Since you priests refuse to know me, I refuse to recognize you as my priest. Since you have forgotten the laws of God, I will go. forget to bless your children. People don't quote the rest of that verse. They say, like, people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, but the rest of it is because you don't know the Torah. All right, we'll come back and talk about it. 340-9585, that's our phone number. I can do this. I can stop that suck, that sucker right there. That that 
outro, and we'll get to that later. Okay, John? Are we back on the air, so? We are back on the air, and we are ready to do okay, our final Okay, so the next segment. time somebody quotes a passage, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Okay. Ask them to read the continuation where it says, because they're not taught God's laws. What is the knowledge oh. that we don't have? Yeah. That God's they're not laws. being so taught it says God's it. laws. Keep going on. It says it. Actually, when it says God's laws, in the Hebrew it says Torah. And that's Isn't in the that book of Hosea we're talking about. Yeah. Chapter uh, 4, 6. 4. Verse six. All right. Isn't that interesting? Sure. Yes, it is interesting. Yeah. Almost, almost everything you say is interesting. Well, <laughs> yeah. John is choking up over there. So, uh, what is this knowledge? What is this lack now, of knowledge? There's something else in Hosea that's going to cause you a stumbling block. Okay. I'd like you to look over Hosea, chapter six. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yes, chapter six, but verse seven. I am what there. does it say? It says, uh, I'm going to back up to get verse 6 and then come into 7. Why, sure. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. Isn't that interesting? So it's not just rote memory of laws. It's obeying those laws. Then verse 6 says, I want you to show love. Not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. What's in the, what's your next verse? But like Adam, you broke my covenant and uh-oh. betrayed. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You have a note there? Yes, it says. What does your note in your Bible say? It says, um, uh-oh. Uh-oh. but at Adam. Huh? It says it could mean, but at Adam. Not like Adam. But What's at it? Adam, you broke my co- I guess that means from the very beginning. Well, uh, you broke people, my most, I'm surprised that's all your note says. Uh, generally, the note's saying, oh, we're unaware of any covenant says, with Adam. Adam may be a reference to an unidentified city or region, much as Gilead or Shechem and Ephraim in verses, chapter 6, verse 8 through 10, or it may be a reference to the first man. The first man did violate the terms established by God in the Garden of Eden. Israel had been given everything, but like Adam, the people quickly fell into the deepest... Uh-huh. Uh, into disobedience so what it's telling us system. is there was some type of covenant between Adam and Eve and God. Yeah, there and was. There's of the course there was. Yeah, you may we, eat of yeah, every tree you, in the garden. You say, you say that, but I'll tell you, if you'll go and check most Bibles, most English Bibles, there usually be a footnote to say, we're unaware of any covenant between them. Well, wasn't that the idea that you yes, can eat I of agree any tree with you. in the garden? I agree with but you. That's why. Would that be it? Uh, yes, and it is there. It, it definitely talks about Adam having a covenant. Mm-hmm. But you may not eat of this tree, or mm. if you do, this will happen. Yeah. So, isn't that interesting? Yes, it is. It's very interesting. Um, I don't know for why it's interesting, but because it, we don't usually think of. But the point I guess he's making here is just like Adam from the very beginning, like Adam or at the time of Adam. Uh, that mankind continually refuses to obey God, to obey God's commands. We seems, that, it seems to be uh, seems to be the lesson, doesn't it? That, that he's okay. Making. Now, do you remember a movie called The Monkey Trial? Or no, I. Oh, yes, I do. It was about uh, oh. what's his name and the the the, the scopes. Scopes. Oh. 
monkey I didn't know I knew that, but it just sort of came out just now. Uh-huh. What was the name of that movie? Ah, John. Inherit the my, wind. My, my, my impeccable reference, John. Is there John. anything he doesn't know? I mean, it's just amazing. Well, the problem is, how do we know if he's right? <laughs> well, I do know this one. That was but, uh, but Inherit the Wind. Inherit the Wind. Which is another quote from the Bible. Where? What book? You will, what book? You have sowed. That was Amos. You have sowed the wind. You're and you absolutely right. It was Hosea. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, you're that's right what I again. said. You're absolutely right again. You, uh, you, Look in chapter 8. Yes, exactly. You uh, have. Uh, I believe it's, I don't know what number being yours, but look at, no, try number 7. Yes. Uh, they have planted the wind and will harvest the whirlwind. Ah. Inherit, harvest or inherit. In other words, unintended consequences, right? Uh, Is that so the idea? That's the, mo- that's the theme of the movie, Inherit the Wind. Inherit the Wind. Isn't that fascinating? Mm-hmm. You sow the wind and you'll inherit the wind. And inherit the the whirlwind, I guess, is that word here. Isn't that interesting? Oh, boy. And that's in that movie. Yeah, these consequences of rejecting God, disobeying God, uh, this whole idea of of godless atheism and and, and evolution and that uh, everything that we see today came about by blind chance. Of course, we know it's impossible for that to happen, so therefore they had to add the idea of uh, of time and just keep adding time, billions and billions of years. And so if they add enough time, they figure they'll overcome the idea that that is an impossibility for something to come from nothing. Well, it's easy if you just write it off as mythology and you don't believe it. And I find, this is my personal experience, uh-huh. I find that most of the people who are unfamiliar with it, but they're articulate, they speak well, they can reason well, and they're very sociable. So they can sound like, you know, authoritative folks. Mm-hmm. Like somebody says, I one time was going to buy a car years ago, and I said, does this car have air conditioning? And the guy opened the door and he says, yep, when the door was open, he said, that's real air in there. <laughs> and, you know, it sounded like he knew what he was talking about. One time I asked a guy in West Texas, I was buying a horse from him. I said, does this horse mind if I neck rein him? And the guy and the old rancher says, no, he doesn't mind at all. Now, does that mean, yes, he does neck rein or no, he doesn't? I don't know. <laughs> well, here we are, Hosea, Amos, all of these prophets, they're talking, Hosea in particular, he's talking about, unintended consequences of our of sin of wickedness of evil that it, it, it destroys it always does it some somehow we we keep having to learn that over and over again back from the time of the flood and god's judgment there or, or even to modern days now we've started what did you say about 200 years ago this whole idea of godlessness we started questioning the bible uh the, this writer this uh, jewish guy uh, back before, and the, even in times of Hitler, I guess. Uh, what do you? The oh, guy you're who, talking about. Uh, there was a guy named Wellhausen. Wellhausen. He, he died yeah. in uh, German. Died in uh, like 1918, okay. 1920 in there. But prior, but he became the darling of the the uh, intelligence. Because they, he began. He he took another step forward in terms of. Uh, of uh, discouraging uh, well and, and actually there had been a the scottish writer 50 years prior to him that brought this up and then later they began with this jpe and d junk 
and it is just, and I, I'm so mad at myself. But I've What's had, called higher criticism. Oh, yeah, yeah, but I've gone down through it. I've listened to 30 hours of lectures on it. I've read all this stuff, and I've gone back, and I'm just disgusted with myself. I wasted so much time. It is so bad that one time in England there was a lawsuit over it in England. And they ruled that this was this was gobbledygook. It was gibberish. Mm-hmm. That's a, and the truth is, if you go down and you look at what they're maintaining, it is totally illogical. It doesn't even make sense. But but anything to undermine the authority, the credibility. Well, that's of the what I was going to say. What idea. I have found is that people are you know they're sociable, they're articulate, but I find the people that really don't know much about it. The easiest way to get around it is to say that it's got a lot of inconsistencies or it cannot be holy, it cannot be from God. But that's generally the folks that really don't know. Now, I would gain a whole bunch of respect for somebody that really knew it and said, I still don't believe it. Because I'm thinking, you know, they took some time to see what it says. But I have generally found the folks that I deal with that come back, and they're articulate, sociable, friendly people, and a lot of people will say, oh, no, no, this can't be, this can't be because of this and this. And I have found that they really don't know what it says. And uh, and that's that's okay. They can dispute it, but it would seem logical that they'd want to know what it says before they disputed it. And, I mean, they're free to do that. Yeah, you've talked a lot about um, Hutchins and some of these uh oh. I'd love these people listen, who debate. Gosh, I wish I had I had an opportunity to debate Hitchings. Hitchings, yeah. Because uh, man, I, the first thing I told him, I said, I would have said, man, you're you're illiterate. You don't even know what you're talking about. And and because he really he goes down through all these things, and I'm thinking, and I don't understand why people when they're debating him just say that's not even what it says. And people in the audience, they don't know what it says because people don't really study it anymore. Mm-hmm. And whose job it is to teach the folks, frankly, is the rabbis and the preachers. He seems to, the, these guys, they seem to pick up on one point and just hammer away at it continually. And just say it enough. What is it, a lie? If you say it enough times, people will kind of come to believe it. It's got to it. be a big lie repeated very often. Uh-huh. Well, <clears throat> let's let's take where you're, uh, you're looking at Hosea still. Well, I want to, we're getting short in time, so there's a couple of things I really want to jump to. Listen, uh, just in the interest of time, I know there's some other books here that have some great stuff I was kind of mm-hmm. hoping to get to, but we probably didn't we'll, waste we'll all of time. We'll get to them. We'll go. We'll go. But uh, anyway, but listen, in Micah, that's, uh-huh. that's one of your little books you chose for tonight. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see, where is that? At? Micah, uh, yes, yeah. right after the book of Jonah. Yes. Now, we only barely got into Micah, but if you want to. Well, look at, uh, look at chapter 4. Five verse one. Okay. Okay. Well, we didn't get that far. We didn't. We're going to talk about Micah well, next that's week. For next week. Uh huh. Well, so then, then let's. Well, then never mind. Okay. Let's go through these. You you let's hit Hosea. Let's go back to Amos chapter five. You hit, you hit Hosea, yeah. and we talk about he's he's talking to the northern tribes. They were taken into a, uh, into uh, a bondage into slavery by Assyria in seven twenty two, uh, and so uh, on and yeah, so on. Yeah. A, so, a great warning. Well, just great... never mind, Ollie. <laughs> now, go to Joel. Go to Joel? What you, this guy who begins his book by describing the land covered with the crops are being eaten by locusts. Uh, and he talks about the day of the Lord, the time of judgment. Now, a central theme of all of these prophets is that is announcing judgment. Yeah. Sometimes they're talking to the nations around Israel. They're talking about northern Israel, the northern tribes. Other times they're addressing uh, Judah in the south. 
But the announcing of God's judgment, the day of the Lord is the word that's the phrase that's used in the book of Joel over, over and again. The day of the Lord will come. And, uh, but there's also some hope in there because even Joel talks about there's going to be a time where God promises to pour out his spirit. Well, this is the fine. Yeah, this is where they, get, they put it in Acts chapter 2 about the vision right. of the spirit. Acts chapter 2, quote from the book of Joel about your children, you know, your old men will dream dreams, young men will something. And, and What's I will the difference between, what is the difference between a dream and a vision? I don't know. Come on, Soapy. You get paid big money a for this. A dream is when you're asleep and a vision is in the daytime? Did I accidentally bump you into the You got it right. Did I really? Yeah. How about that? They've earned your pay this week. So I'm smarter than you think I was, huh? Go ahead, no, admit no, it, not, admit not, it. Not, not really. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I couldn't even force that in there. Okay, uh, but the, the Holy Spirit, the time of the Holy Spirit, which we are experiencing uh, today, and, it, and we're still living in the era of the time of the Spirit. What? Anything else about Joel? You might want well, to. Well, it's interesting that uh, there is something here. I'm trying to move quickly yes, to the I book. Yes, I know, because. Uh, you Cat, really want to talk about Amos. At, uh, yeah, check if chapter four casting lots. Remember that takes place in, even in the New Testament. They talk about mm-hmm. how they pick a replacement for uh, Judas is by casting lots in chapter four. Uh, see verse uh, three. They were casting lots, and, and they always cast lots. So is he actually a psalm that talks about casting lots? You're also. not talking about Joel now. You're talking about Amos, right? No, I'm talking about Joel. Well, there is no chapter four in Joel. Well, chapter three. Maybe, uh, yeah, probably chapter three is included in yours. Okay. Anyway, but let's go. Let's jump over to Amos because there is something okay. interesting in Amos. Let's go for it. You okay. go. Look at chapter five, verse one. Uh huh. I'm there. How how does that read? Verse one and two. Would see if your version coordinates okay. with mine. Chapter five, verse one. Listen, listen, you people of Israel. Listen to this funeral song I am singing. The virgin Israel has fallen never to rise again. She lies abandoned on the ground with no one to help her up. Ah, did you notice what he refers to? The writing to the ten tribes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Amos. Writing okay. to the ten tribes. Did you notice what he refers to as? We're talking about the when Israel divided, the northern ten tribes are called Israel. Uh-huh. The southern two tribes are called Judah. And in the northern tribes, uh, we're not talking. When, uh, look what it says. He says, the virgin Israel has fallen. She will not rise again. Mm-hmm. Now, they're not talking about the ten tribes. They're talking about the rebellion of the, a nation forming mm-hmm. separate from the entire nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. But notice that he refers to it as the virgin. Mm-hmm. I saw that. Yeah. Now, Jesus... In the New because Testament, does this word too. virgin, I, you kind of get the idea of purity, right? And, uh-huh. and so when they re- and, and Jeremiah uses that term. There's a template in uh, uh, Jeremiah and uh, Isaiah that uses it. And so, the when the in the and in the New Testament, Jesus is quoting this when he's talking about the so-called ten virgins. The story is talking about the ten virgins. Uh-huh. So as a nation, ah. they were virgin, but individually there are ten virgins. That's what he's referring to. Okay. And so he's saying they came back, and what happens is you'll find this. This is the story of the prophets, but the story itself is in the book of Kings. 
And so you'll find that the ten tribes are ten virgins that were taken away. And, and But during one of the Passovers, one of the kings invited them back down uh, to come down to Jerusalem for Passover. Uh-huh. They went down. On the way back, the bad king that had taken over and was running the ten tribes in the north had blocked the road and had his soldiers, his guards there, so they couldn't return. Does that sound like anything you recognize in a story? A little bit. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> but go ahead. This is uh, well. That's what it's all about. They came back and the next says, "Sorry, can't get in," and so they couldn't get back. And that's the story that, in a short microcosmic that Jesus story, is referring that Jesus to is trying in to his he's, he's parable. Now, if you know the story and you know these prophets and you know the story in Kings, you'll understand what he's talking about when he talks about the marriage of the ten virgins. And when it says something about the lamp, a lamp is actually defined for us in the book of Kings. The lamp is the kingship of Solomon. And they have lit their own lamps, and they followed a bad lamp, the king of the ten tribes. So that's what that's all about. And the oil they're talking about, being the oil, is the knowledge of the Torah. The knowledge of the Torah. So okay. see, it all fits. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. You, you're... That is a whole different take from most of the times I've ever heard the the parable that I, Jesus told I about understand. the ten virgins and the five who left and went yeah. back to get oil. And I, and I could be 100% wrong, but I'm not. <laughs> well, uh, I've, I've learned to certainly respect the perspective and... Uh, Jesus was a Jew. He knew the Jewish history, and he's, well, and so and he's clear, there. You got now, we make famous. a different point of it, uh, of course, sure the, the oil sure, representing sure. the Holy Spirit and yeah. coming back. But uh, but this this makes sense. It really well, does. Well, you see, the ten tribes are referred to as a, vir- as a nation. They're the nation, a virgin nation. Uh-huh. But individually, there were ten tribes, so they're ten virgins. But when they return... All their sins will be forgiven. They will be pure. And when they return and they're pure, they'll be like ten virgins. But when it says the the virgin Israel has fallen, what God was saying, this prophet, pardon me, Uh Amos was saying is, the nation as a segregated, rebellious nation will not return. Will not rise again, Uh yeah. Very, very interesting. That's uh, that's that's probably one of the more interesting points of Amos. I, I like Amos a lot because he's a farmer. He's yeah, not, he's, he's not a prophet. He's, he's not a, a preacher. He's, he's a not a, a Levite. You know, he's not a preacher. They, he's a layman, uh, and he is a shepherd and tender of trees, uh, and he speaks very plainly. Uh, I remember there's one point in chapter four where he refers to the the rebellious women. Of Israel in the north, you know, he, and, and uh, Jeremiah had some problem with the women. Uh, we're living in the time of the Me Too. What is it? The Me Too movement and women's movement and women's you know, all this in our culture. And and I suppose that could be something positive and good. I have a beautiful, lovely, godly wife and a lovely daughter, and I want them to have rights and freedom. And and I respect their opinions and thoughts. And so, I mean, it, the idea is good in general, but. Of course, he gets carried to an, uh, an extreme with just any time any woman anywhere says anything uh, that it has to be true. Uh, 
that, of course, is, is an extreme. But uh, And there's a verse that you're very fond of. It's in chapter 8, verse 11, in my version. I don't know what it of is. Of Amos? Of Amos. This is, a ver- this is a verse you were talking about earlier. Well, I was going to refer to chapter 4, verse 1. I like oh, Amos okay. because he's so plain spoken. Okay. What does your version say? Uh, 4 1. 4 1. See what I'm doing there, folks? I'm turning. I'm changing it around. I'm making <clears throat> Jacob read the embarrassing verse. Listen, oh, this is not a, a very nice thing. Listen to the word, you fat cows, from Mount Samaria, who yeah. cheat the poor and crush the needy, who say to your husbands, "Bring wine. Let's have a drink." Listen to me, you fat cows. <laughs> I've always thought only a prophet of God could get away with. God calling women uh, fat cows but that's this is that's its farmer background farmers are plain spoken you know kind of men of the of the of the uh soil and so on but anyway you you told me you referred me to chapter 8 verse 1 well, right? yeah you're uh, the verse you liked uh 8 11 in, in my translation i don't know what you oh yeah oh yeah this uh this this strikes me as incredibly sad the time is surely coming says the sovereign lord when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. That seems so sad to me that we have God's word, we have his instructions, we have his guidance, we have his redemptive plan, his message, and yet it's it's not being heard. It's it's a famine. People and Are it, you familiar with the Irish elk from Ireland? The Irish elf? El- elk. Elk. Oh, the Irish elk. Yes, I am. I, do you know what happened to them? No. They died. Oh. And do you know what was interesting? No. They had gone down one path so far, they'd only eat one kind of tree. Ah. And this has happened in nature a number of times. Uh-huh. But this is the one I'm talking about. Would that be the koala bear or the panda bear? They well, eat only the eucalyptus mm, leaves? No, nah, no. Nah, well, the same idea. They uh-huh. went down, the Irish elk went down one path, they'd only eat one kind of tree. And a disease came along. A blight, and it killed that tree. And they stood in the middle of a forest, where there were lots of trees they could eat, and starved to death. I'll be. So when you're talking about, you can get the Bible on the internet, and it's all over. You can buy thousands of copies and hundreds of translations. He says, "You're right. That's all over there. Those leaves are there, but nobody's gone reading them because they're not eating them." Yeah, it's sad. It really is. A famine of hearing God's word. Uh, yeah. So you need to get the rest of the show back on the air where people hear the Bible least read. We do, folks, and I'd like to hear your thoughts about that. If any of you want to encourage us or to tell us how, if you think it's important, I've had people say, "Ah, oh, you don't need the Bible on the radio." People, if they want to hear the Bible, they can go anywhere on the Internet and they can find it somewhere if they want to hear it and so on. And uh, since you brought it up, okay, Obadiah. First oh, good. I'm in, glad you're yes, doing that. He appears in 1 Kings chapter 18. Let's, you're going to tell us who Obadiah is, I right? Am, I'm okay. going to try. Here we go. Depends on how much time. We've we got. only got just two minutes. So okay, well, anyway, Obadiah, so he appears in 1 Kings chapter 18. He's a guy. He's a, from the nation of Edom mm-hmm. who is a descendant of Esau. Uh-huh. So he's not a Jew. 
And so this proves that not all books in the Bible are written by Jews. Okay. Because Obadiah, he was righteous, but he's from the nation of Edom. This is Esau. the son of that Samaritan woman that Elijah oh, healed, yeah. right? That's right. Yes. Obadiah, yeah. the son of the uh, Phoenician woman mm-hmm. that Elijah had a relationship with her well, and her Obadiah, husband. Obadiah was the husband. Oh, Obadiah was the husband. Okay. And then they had a child who also got to write a book. And he... Nahum. That was Nahum. And, so, he, uh, and he healed Nahum. Yes, and that's the child that was healed. Now, so because they were righteous, they actually were, were, were rewarded by God with the ability to write their own little books in the Bible. So Obadiah writes a book. He saved a hundred priests. He stood up to the king. And, of course, he ends up getting killed. And, of course, for that, uh, his, his, his legion, his... Uh, his king, that his loyalty. Is that the idea of no good, no confiscated good everything, and, and his wife was left Unpunished. in poverty. Uh-huh. So uh, they had to, so Elijah, I believe, was came along and filled up all of her urns with oil, which made her wealthy, and and then healed the son that later also became uh, also wrote a book also. And what is he going to say about parenting? Oh, I should say this. That you should always be the kind of person you would like to have. For the Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on the Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on the, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 